0: The story you were about to hear is true. Attention, all true.
1: She's alive.
2: Today's story is pretty interesting, and I actually hadn't thought about it in a couple of years. It's probably pretty illuminating, and in what way I'd rather not think about it. But, as I've mentioned many times in the podcast and on the website, I'm a bit of a TV obsessive. I especially enjoy holiday specials. Now even after I've owned them on video and DVD I would go out of my way to watch them on television. There was just always something a little bit more special about it as a television event than just popping it into the VCR. One of my favorite seasonal specials is It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. It's good in so many different ways. It's earnest, it's well written, and it has a great message. So when October rolls around and they usually show it pretty early. I would prep. I would underline it in the TV guide and get myself ready. Make sure I'd reserve the television, make sure I had a good snack, good place on the sofa, and I was good to go. One year, when I was probably about 12 years old, It's the Great Pumpkin was coming on television. I had everything ready, and I had saved up some money to buy a couple of extra snacks, which included some Keebler soft batch cookies. So the show was gonna come on at 8, and at around 7.30 I decided to start prepping. I got the cookies out, put them on a plate, got a glass out, there was no milk. This was a major oversight on my part. My plan had been cookies and milk with It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Now I couldn't do it, and I looked through the fridge, there was some water in there, there was even some soda. But I really had milk on my mind. I went back and forth thinking about what to do. Should I just try to enjoy the show in this unperfect way? Of course not. Why skimp on yourself? Sure, the nearest supermarket was three-quarters of a mile away, but I could do it. I had wasted 10 minutes already trying to come to a decision, so I ran, put on my sneakers, and hit the road. I ran straight to the Acme supermarket, straight to the back to the milk aisle, grabbed a gallon of milk, ran straight to the counter, and paid for it. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to run three-quarters of a mile with a gallon of milk, but it's not that easy. (laughs) At about the quarter mile mark, my arm started aching. At a half mile mark, it was sweating and I had to try to grab it with the other arm, but time was wasting. I checked my calculator watch and I had like five minutes to go, so I needed to push through the pain. I ran the remaining distance, almost dropping the milk as I ran through the door. I was covered in sweat. I grabbed a glass off the shelf, kicked off my sneakers, grabbed my plate of cookies, filled a glass, and plopped down in front of the couch. I could hardly breathe, never mind eat. But I can tell you this, those were some of the sweetest cookies and some of the best milk I'd ever drank. And that year, Charlie Brown seemed a little bit more special. On today's show, we're going to talk about It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. We're going to talk about the concept behind it, its start in the comic strips, and how it made the jump to an animated series. We'll talk a little bit about the general idea of Peanuts comics as holiday specials. We'll talk about the talent behind the show. we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. Halloween is coming soon, and I can't wait. So, without further ado, let's start the show. It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, is of course based on the wildly famous comic strip Peanuts by Charles M. Schultz. The Peanuts began their run on October 2nd, 1950, and would end on February 13th, 2000, which was the day after Charles Schultz died. It is probably one of the most influential and well-regarded comic strips in America. That success, of course, was helped by the fact that Peanuts weren't just in the comics. They were everywhere. They were licensed on products all over the place. And I challenge you to find a kid in America who doesn't have some sort of Peanuts memorabilia in their collection at one point or another. This licensing would inevitably lead the Peanuts to television. And it all started with the Ford Motor Company, oddly enough. They licensed the characters in 1961 for a series of black and white television commercials for the Ford Falcon. These ads were animated by a guy named Bill Melendez who worked for Playhouse Pictures, which was a cartoon studio that had Ford as a client. Schultz and Melendez hit it off right away. So when producer Lee Mendelssohn decided to make a two-minute sequence for a documentary called A Boy Named Charlie Brown in 1963, he talked to Schultz and Melendez would be the obvious candidate to bring in to direct the project. Before the documentary was completed, though, the three of them, with the help of a new sponsor, Coca-Cola, produced a half-hour animated special. Now, that animated special was the Emmy and Peabody Award-winning A Charlie Brown Christmas, which aired on CBS on December 9, 1965.
1: It's the new Ford Falcon.
0: Well, everyone who has seen the 1961 Falcon is excited.
1: But I haven't seen it yet.
0: Oh, I don't believe we've met.
1: Excuse me, I would like very much to have you meet Pigpen.
0: Hello, Pigpen.
1: I'm very glad to know you.
0: Well, since Pigpen hasn't seen the Falcon yet, let's show it to him right now. This year, the Falcon gives you more power, more luxury, more comfort for six people, more of everything that has made it the world's most successful new car.
1: It must be pretty embarrassing for the other compact cars to realize how they missed the boat.
0: And you can now select from two engines, the regular Falcon engine famous for mileage and the new more powerful Falcon 170 Special.
1: You get a choice of engines?
0: That's right.
1: You have to admire the generosity.
0: You also have to admire the Falcon's economy. It goes up to 30 miles on a gallon of gasoline.
1: Thirty miles is quite a distance, especially when you compare it with what the others give you.
0: And it goes 4,000 miles between oil changes.
1: 4,000 miles? That's virtually beyond comprehension.
0: Oh, and that reminds me. The Falcon's diamond luster finish never needs waxing. And yet, with all these exclusive features, the Falcon is still low, low in price. No other compact car offers this all-around economy.
1: I must say, I'm very impressed. I'm sure the 61 Falcon will rank high in favor with the buying public.
0: Thank you. Now you know why everyone's excited about the Falcon. Me too. The 1961 Falcon, the car no other compact can measure up to.
2: A Charlie Brown Christmas was a smash success, which meant more Charlie Brown on the way. CBS ordered two more right away. And those two were Charlie Brown's All-Stars and It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown. They would air Charlie Brown's All-Stars before It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown. Although Charlie Brown's All-Stars is highly regarded by Peanuts fans, it doesn't have a quarter of the fans that the holiday-based specials have. So with the success of All-Stars, CBS gave the go-ahead for It's the Great Pumpkin to air and they picked a great day to air it initially. It's moved earlier and earlier in the schedule since then, but it aired on October 27th, 1966, preempting the TV show My Three Sons. It was an instant hit, and CBS would re-air the special annually all the way up till the year 2000. Then ABC picked up the rights beginning in 2001. The show was such a hit that after it initially aired, children were so sympathetic to to the lovable loser Charlie Brown, that they began sending candy in the mail to Charlie Brown out of sympathy for all those rocks that he got when he was trick-or-treating. So you can see why it would become a staple for all those years to follow. The ABC version would actually be slightly different than the previous CBS versions. To make room for more commercials during the airing, they took out two what I think of as very important scenes from the telecast. One is of... Lucy pleading with Charlie Brown to kick the football and subsequently pulling it away as he tries to do so, which is so important to the Peanuts universe that I can't even imagine who made that decision. And the other one, which is one of my favorite parts of It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, is Snoopy playing the World War One flying ace.
0: It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, sponsored by Peter Paul Cadbury, maker of Mounds, Almond Joy, York Peppermint Patty, and Cadbury Chocolate Bars. Indescribably delicious. And by Your McDonald's Restaurants, you deserve a break today
2: I find it hard to believe that there's anyone who hasn't seen the great pumpkin Charlie Brown I actually worked at CBS for a brief time and when we were working on a project for a Charlie Brown Christmas someone in our group said that they had not seen it's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown everyone in the group was completely startled we couldn't see how anyone had grown up in the area without seeing it it turns out that they had seen it but they had just called it a Charlie Brown Halloween and didn't realize that it was called it's the great pumpkin so For the benefit of those who maybe haven't seen it in a couple of years, or if you never plan on seeing it, here's a little bit about the plot. The story opens with Linus and Lucy going to a pumpkin patch, bringing it home, and creating a jack-o'-lantern. Then it cuts to Charlie Brown playing with Snoopy. Linus shows up and jumps into a giant pile of leaves and ruins his lollipop. Then we get the very famous football scene where Lucy is holding the football and tells Charlie Brown to kick it. He says, no way, you're going to pull that thing away. She shows him a letter, that's signed that says she will not do it. Charlie Brown's like, wow, cool, I'm going to finally kick this ball. He runs, tries to kick it, she pulls it away. Then she reminds him that the letter had not been notarized. So it's a lot of fall, autumn stuff, setting the mood. Then we see Linus writing a letter to the Great Pumpkin. Now, the Great Pumpkin is the most important thing about It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. He's a character created by Charles Schultz and is sort of akin to Santa Claus in the way that Linus treats him. Linus sends that letter to the Great Pumpkin and then everyone starts getting ready to go trick-or-treating, except for Linus. Linus needs to find a sincere pumpkin patch to wait in so that the Great Pumpkin will show up and give him presents. And we find out it's very important that you never doubt the Great Pumpkin's existence or you'll get nothing. As you might know, Charlie Brown has a little sister named Sally who is madly in love with Linus and she decides to stand by her man and hang out in the pumpkin patch with him as they waited for the Great Pumpkin. The rest of the gang goes trick-or-treating and to a Halloween party. Snoopy dresses up as a World War One flying ace and we get these beautifully drawn autumnal scenes of Snoopy trekking across the French countryside, and great music, and fun. These are the scenes where Charlie Brown gets a jack-o'-lantern drawn on the back of his head, and he gets all those rocks in his bag while trick-or-treating. Needless to say, the Great Pumpkin never shows up. Sally, realizing that perhaps she's been took, decides to leave Linus. As she leaves, Linus laments that the Great Pumpkin has not come yet, but he continues his watch. It then cuts to 4 a.m. in the morning, and... Lucy gets out of bed, notices that Linus is still out in that pumpkin patch, and goes out and brings him in. She might talk a mean game, but she's a good sister. The next day, Charlie Brown and Linus are at their famous rock wall talking about last night's events. Charlie Brown tries to make him feel better by saying I've done a lot of stupid things in my life too which causes Linus to go crazy and start ranting about how the Great Pumpkin will be back next year and the credits roll. It's just all sorts of awesome. And here's a little bit from that famous end scene.
1: I suppose you spend all night the pumpkin patch. And the Great Pumpkin never showed up? Nope. Well Don't take it too hard, Linus. I've done a lot of stupid things in my life, too. Stupid? What do you mean, stupid? Just wait till next year, Charlie Brown. You'll see. Next year at this same time, I'll find a pumpkin patch that is real sincere. And I'll sit in that pumpkin patch until the great pumpkin appears. He'll rise out of that pumpkin patch and he'll fly through the air with his bag of toys. The great pumpkin will appear, and I'll be waiting for him. I'll be there. I'll be sitting there in that pumpkin sack, and I'll see the great pumpkin.
2: Good grief. An interesting thing that Bill Melendez did as producer and director of It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, is use real children to be the voices of the characters in the show, which added a certain amount of reality to the show. And although the voices would change over the years, as the kids got older, they would bring in new kids to play them. The voices that were used in It's the Great Pumpkin and A Charlie Brown Christmas, as well as the All-Stars, are the ones that most people associate with Charlie Brown and the voices that would follow would be similar. Charlie Brown was voiced by Peter Robbins, Linus was voiced by Christopher Shea, Sally Dryer was the voice of Lucy Van Pelt, Kathy Steinberg was Sally Brown. An interesting story about Kathy Steinberg because she was so young, her teeth were falling out at the time and she had one tooth that was about to fall out and they were worried throughout the shooting that if this tooth fell out that her voice might change she might develop a lisp as the tooth was missing so they rushed to her home to complete recording of her voice and as she uttered her last line the tooth fell out so luckily they got it in the can and Kathy's voice was preserved for perpetuity she was even brought back to do the 1967 peanut special you're in Love, Charlie Brown, but that would be the last one where she would voice Sally Brown. Frida and Violet were voiced by Ann Altieri. Pigpen was voiced by Gail DeFaria. Patty was voiced by Lisa DeFaria. Snoopy, oddly enough, his voice was none other than Bill Melendez making those great sound effects. And Schroeder and Shermie were both voiced by Glenn Mendelssohn. I remember seeing an interesting interview with Bill Melendez where he talked about how his coaching of the children was funny because he himself was born in Mexico, pretty much grew up in America, but he always thought he had this accent when he spoke and when he would coach the kids, the kids picked up right away on what he was saying. And would try to imitate him. So he always thought that when the children were speaking, he could actually hear some of his accent creeping in. And if you listen closely to him and the kids, you can kind of see what he's talking about. And I thought that was always pretty funny. Sadly, Bill Melendez passed away on September 2nd, 2008. It was covered in the news to some extent. But he was such an influence on all of our childhoods that I thought they should have made a much bigger deal about it at the time. That little piece of music is from the It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown Halloween special. And it was produced and recorded by the Vince Giraldi Sextet. Giraldi would do a lot of the music for the Charlie Brown specials. And he's probably best known for the music from the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Fun little music fact. During the World War One segment when Schroeder is playing his piano for Snoopy. The songs that they play are It's a Long Way to Tipperary. Pack Up Your Troubles in Your Old Kit Bag, There's a Long, Long Trail, and The Roses of Picardi. I would have loved to have seen Giraldi play music. From what I understand, he was not above taking requests from the audience and would often play his Peanuts music. He's quoted as saying that he liked playing these songs that everybody liked when he played live because it was like signing the back of a check. I think that's a lesson all musicians should learn that, hey, if they're buying the hits, at least they're still buying something. It's the Great Pumpkin is a phenomenon and has been cited in tons of TV shows and music over the years. Some more recent mentions have been on The Simpsons, where they actually used It's the Great Pumpkin in their Treehouse of Horror 19, in Robot Chicken, where Linus summons the Great Pumpkin using black magic. Then the Great Pumpkin proceeds to devour all the children. I'm a big fan of Bill MN's comic strip Foxtrot, and in it Jason is always really fun with his costumes, and he dresses up as the Great Pumpkin in one of those comics, and puts a piece of the security blanket in the pumpkin's teeth to provide a bit of irony. I think everyone has this impression that the Great Pumpkin, although something Linus wants, is actually something quite sinister, and that might be just because of the relations to Halloween, but I think if you read the initial comic strips, you'll note that Schultz really wanted the Great Pumpkin to be paralleled to Santa Claus. Yet one of my favorite differences between the Great Pumpkin and Santa Claus is that you don't write the Great Pumpkin to ask him what to bring you, because the Great Pumpkin brings you whatever he feels like bringing you. Some of the other things that show that there's supposed to be a parallel between the Great Pumpkin and Santa Claus is a thing that I really would love to hear a version of, and that is a pumpkin carol because Linus suggests that he and the other kids go out and sing them. I'm not sure if anybody has ever written a pumpkin carol, but I would challenge anyone out there to write some, and I'd love to hear them.
1: I've got a pumpkin carol for you. You are such a stupid moron, it makes people want to punch you. The Grand Pumpkin Super Gay! Punch, 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 wedgie!
2: It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, was probably one of the earliest videotape specials in people's homes, but it was also released pretty early on VHS and is currently available in a really good deluxe remastered version. The version I own is the Remastered Deluxe Edition. It was released on September 2nd, 2008, and the picture looks great. All the footage that had been removed in the ABC airings are intact, and it sounds great. I don't know if they'll release It's the Great Pumpkin in a higher-resolution Blu-ray. I imagine it'll happen one day, but I think I'll be pretty happy with my DVD copy until then. Peanuts are a uniquely American, I would like to say, institution, but it's also an industry that created a ton of memory for anyone who grew up in America starting in the 1950s. And we all know all the great movies and cartoons that Walt Disney created, but we also know that a lot of those ideas sprung from all this talented people that Walt Disney surrounded himself. A lot of the things that are related to Charlie Brown and the Peanuts in general are directly from the pen of Charles Schultz. He was lucky enough to bring a lot of talented people around, people like Bill Melendez, but if you read the comic strips and look at the specials that were created, you'll notice that a lot of the things are lifted directly from the brain of a man who is obviously creatively a genius. The world's a bit darker now that Schultz is gone, but at least we have 50 years of great entertainment to keep us company and to keep his memory alive. And for that, I'd like to thank Mr. Schultz.
3: After the turn thanks
2: for listening to the show for more retro fun drop by the website at www.retroist.com you can follow me on twitter and facebook i'm at twitter.com slash retroist and facebook.com slash retroist if you like the art that's posted with every retroist podcast the artist who makes them his name named Christopher Tupa, and you can drop by his website at ctupa.com. If you'd like to discuss this show or any other retro topic, make sure you drop by the forums. They're at www.retroist.com forum. We're still cranking on all that great Halloween content, so drop by the website, look up some of your Halloween memories, and share some that we don't have up there yet. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend.
3: funny-looking dog with a big black nose. He flew yeah. into the sky to seek revenge, but the Baron shot him down. Cursors yes, filed again. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 or more. The Bloody Red Baron was rolling on the score. 80 men died trying to end that spree of the Bloody Red Baron of Germany. Now Snoopy had swore that he'd get that man So he asked the great pumpkin for a new battle plan He challenged the German to a real dog fight While the Baron was laughing, it got him in his sight Was in a fix He tried everything But he'd run out of tricks Snoopy fired once And he fired twice And that bloody red bear Went spinning out of sight 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 or more The bloody red bear Was run right up the score Eighty men died Trying to end that spree Of the bloody red bear Of Germany
2: I got a rock. This has been a Retroist production.
3: Goodbye.